0: Our reading this morning is from Romans 8, verse 12 through to the end of the chapter, verse 39. Please grab your pew Bible, follow along, so that you can uh, understand more of what God would teach us from this reading. Romans 8, verses 12 to 39. The chapter starts with a wonderful statement. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's follow along and read and understand more of the results of that fabulous statement starting at verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God for these great words.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us as we look at this part of his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Please work through it in our hearts to grow us in faith in you and to change us to be more and more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are lying in a hospital bed. You've been there for days and you are very sick. There's this background hum of pain that the meds only seem to dull. And the days are long and they're hard. You know that in the middle of all of this, you should pray. Part of you wants to pray, but you can't. You don't know the words. You can't seem to get anything out. It just feels too hard. But in one of the quiet moments, you hear just very faintly the sound of someone talking. You strain your ears to listen. There's nothing else to do. It's coming from the next room. Someone in there is talking. In fact, now you think about it, they've been talking for hours. And as you listen... You're a little surprised when you actually make out your own name. They're talking about you. Actually, no, that's not it. They're praying for you. The richest, most beautiful, heartfelt, thoughtful prayers you've ever heard. Prayer for God to sustain you, to keep you, to comfort you, to care for you, to grow you, to be more like Jesus. The prayer just keeps going. And as you listen, you're encouraged. Someone is praying for you. And then it stops. Disappointed, you strain your ears trying to hear. Have they just gotten quieter when there's a knock on your door? It's the person from next door. Excuse me, I know that things are really hard for you right now. I've been praying for you. Could I pray with you? Could we pray together? Can I help you? How do you think you'd feel in that moment? Would their prayers, their rich, beautiful, heartfelt prayers, stir your heart? Would that help you to pray? You know, sometimes I think someone praying for us and with us is exactly what we need. Over this term, we're growing in prayer together as a church family. We're reading about prayer during the week. We're looking at what God says about prayer on Sundays. And last week, we saw that prayer is simply talking to our Heavenly Father. And because prayer is talking to God, who we don't see with our eyes, prayer is actually faith out loud. It's our belief in God and our trust in Him as our loving Father, put into action and given words. Which means if we want to grow in prayer, we actually need to grow in faith by seeing our loving and generous father and all his son for us. And it's actually the same this week, too, because that story that I just told you about someone praying for you, I made up the story, but it's actually true. It's not just some person who's praying for you. God himself is praying for you and enabling you to pray. In fact, this morning from Romans 8, we're going to see that we can pray with confidence because God himself enables us, answers us and prays for us. When we pray, we don't pray on our own. We're actually praying together with God. And that helps us to pray too. So let's jump into Romans 8 and see how. We're not going to go through all of the passage, but we'll pick on some key bits. First, we see that the Spirit enables us to pray. You see, even our ability to pray is a gift from our Heavenly Father. It is through His Holy Spirit. Paul's just been saying our God has given his spirit to all those who trust in Jesus so we can be set free from the power of sin and led by the spirit to grow to be more like Jesus. Our God, he is one God in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And the spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he comes and dwells in us when we trust in Jesus This isn't a bonus that only some Christians get. It's not a bonus for extra-spiritual Christians. It is for all of us, every single one. And through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we are no longer slaves to sin. We've been set free, and the Holy Spirit now works in us to grow us to be more like Jesus. As God's people, we need to be led by the Spirit not live according to our own sinful desires. But that's not all the Spirit does. He doesn't just lead us to live for God in a way that honours him. He enables us to cry out to God as his sons adopted in Jesus. See it in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We don't come to God as terrified slaves who fear a brutal master. We don't come to him as employees come to a boss or mere subjects cowering before a king. We are sons. As both men and women We are adopted as sons, full heirs with Jesus, adopted as God's beloved children. We come to him as our father. All this is through the Holy Spirit. Paul says, by whom we cry. See, without the Spirit, we cannot come to God as our father. We are God's enemies because of our sin. Separated from God, deserving his judgment. And yet through faith in Jesus, we are joined to Jesus and we get to share in everything that's his. We are adopted as God's sons. But even our faith is a work of the Holy Spirit. Unless God changes our hearts through the work of the Spirit and we are born again, we won't trust in Jesus and we won't be adopted as God's sons. So the Holy Spirit gives us faith. He gives us new life in Jesus. The Spirit joins us to Jesus so we can come to God as his adopted sons. And the Spirit enables us to call out to God as our Abba Father. Now, don't miss what a privilege this is. The word Abba, it's the Aramaic, which was the the language that was spoken in Israel at the time, the Aramaic word for dad. It's a familiar relational word. It's a word a little boy would use for his dad, but it's also the word a grown man would use to call his dad. We can come to the God of the whole universe as our Abba Father. Now, I remember a conversation I had with my kids one day about my name. They thought it was weird that my name is Josh, but they call me Dad. I actually said to them, you know, that is something that's really special. Everyone gets to call me Josh or other names. But in the whole world, only my kids get to call me Dad. It is a sign of how special our relationship is. It's their privilege, although some days they probably don't see it that way. But I want to say that is actually true for our relationship with God. Through faith in Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we get to call Him Dad. We get to come to Him as our Father. What a privilege! The Holy Spirit enables us to cry out to God as our Father, but he also gives us the confidence to do so. Look in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, the Spirit works in our hearts and... He he works in our spirit to give us that assurance to come to God as his children, as heirs. Heirs of all his promises, co-heirs with Jesus. We get to share in everything that's his. See, even the ability for us to pray to God is a gift from God through his Holy Spirit. We can pray because the Spirit enables us. This is even more than the person in the next room, in the hospital room, who comes over and helps us to pray. The Holy Spirit doesn't just help us do something we find hard. He enables us to do something we could never do on our own. My kids, when they were really little, before they could talk, we taught them a little bit of sign language. We taught them please and thank you. Um, Let's see if I can remember. More. No, more. No, something. And and enough. (laughs) Jess will remember. And those signs were so helpful because the kids could tell us when they'd had enough or when they wanted more, even before they could talk. We gave them tools of communication so they could tell us what they needed. God gives us his Holy Spirit. So we can come to him as our father and ask for what we need. Prayer is not an inconvenience to God. It's not something he puts up with. It is a gift that he has given us. It is something we only ever do by his enabling because he wants us to come to him as our father, our Abba, dad. But it's more than that. Not only does the Spirit enable us to pray, the Spirit himself prays for us in our weakness. See, the Christian life is all, isn't all sunshine and lollipops. I had to break it to you. We follow a Saviour who faced suffering and trouble, and he said that we should expect the same. Paul's just said it too. If we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, then we will suffer with him before ultimately being glorified with him. The pattern of the Christian life is suffering and death before resurrection and glory. If we trust in Jesus, then that future glory for us is sure. It's guaranteed. And it's so great that not, it's not even worth comparing with our present suffering. But that doesn't mean that things are easy now. In fact, right now we are groaning as we wait for what God has in store for us. Paul talks here about three different kinds of groaning. First, all of creation groans. Creation itself has been affected by our sin. It's subject to the curse of Genesis 3. We see this in our world, disasters and viruses and sickness and earthquakes and floods and famines and droughts. Creation is groaning. Looking forward to the day when Jesus returns to set all things right looking forward to the day when we will be glorified. But second, Paul says, we groan, verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Do you feel the tension of the Christian life? Do you get frustrated with your own sin? Do you struggle with temptation? Do you groan at sickness and pain? At the suffering and brokenness of our world? Do you ever just long for heaven? That's what Paul's talking about. We groan inwardly. We feel the brokenness and suffering of our fallen world. Even though we have the Holy Spirit to lead us to be more like Jesus, we feel the fact that we're not there yet. We feel that inward battle and struggle against sin. We groan as we hope for and wait for the glory that God has in store for us. But that's not all. See, the third groaning in this passage is actually a surprise. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In our weakness, in our brokenness, as we groan, the Spirit groans too. The Spirit prays for us in our weakness. In those moments when you have no idea what to pray for, in those moments where you just don't have any words to say, when all you can do is groan to God, the Spirit helps us. The Spirit himself is praying for us. He's interceding, praying to the Father on our behalf, praying with groans that are beyond what we or anyone could put in words. Like the person we imagine next door, when we cannot bring ourselves to pray, when we don't know how to pray, there is one who is praying for us. The Holy Spirit himself is praying for us. And his prayers are always perfect. Verse 27 And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We often don't know the right thing to pray for. We don't know God's will in a specific situation. But the Holy Spirit, who has enjoyed perfect fellowship with God for all eternity, he does know, he knows perfectly. And he prays perfectly for us. And our Father in heaven, who knows our hearts, also knows the minds of the mind of the Spirit. He understands the Spirit's groans for us. The Spirit is praying for us. A couple of weeks ago I had the opportunity to go and speak to the Fair Home Teachers Chapel for the start of term. It's a great opportunity to speak of Jesus and the hope we have in him but I always get a little nervous. But I knew that as I went in there were people from our church family who were praying for me and so I was encouraged. But the truth is that there is always someone praying for me. The Holy Spirit is always interceding for me in my weakness. He knows my sorrows, my suffering, my fears, my nerves, and he's praying for me. He is praying for you. How would it change your prayers to know that the Spirit is always praying for you? That he is interceding for us perfectly according to God's will. Often we don't know how to pray the right thing, but we don't need to worry about getting it just right. We don't need to be afraid of getting things wrong. We can just pray. We can just pour out our hearts to God, knowing that the Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us according to the will of God. We can just pray knowing that the Spirit has us covered. But That's not all. Not only is the Spirit enabling us and praying for us, but we can pray because we know that the Father always works for our good. See, we get to come to God as our loving Father. If we prayed to an indifferent God, a grumpy God, a miser who didn't want to give us anything good, then we wouldn't come to him with much hope, would we? Even the Spirit interceding for us wouldn't be much good. But we don't have a God like that. We have a loving Father who is working everything for our good. He's working everything to change us to be more like Jesus and ultimately to glorify us with Him in heaven. Look in verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. This verse isn't a platitude to be thrown at people who are suffering. But it is a great comfort. God is working everything for our good. Our suffering, he's working through it to change us to be more like Jesus. Our weakness, he's working through it to help us rely and depend on him. Our joys, he's given them to us for our good. He is working everything together for our good. Suffering, trouble, sickness, conflict... None of these things are wasted by God. They are not pointless. He is working through them for our good. This doesn't make these things easy, but it does mean there is always a purpose. And it means God always answers our prayers for our good. Whether the answer is yes, no, or wait, whether he answers in the way we expect or something totally different, he is always working for our good and for the good of his people. How can we be sure of this? Well, two reasons. First, because of God's plan. See, our God always finishes what he starts. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We could wrestle with all the details of this, and that would be worthwhile time. But for now, just notice that what God starts, he always finishes. Those that God has chosen to be saved through faith in Jesus, that's what it means that God foreknew and chose us. God is working to transform them to be more and more like Jesus. To be like Jesus in their character, in what they love, in their hope, in their faith. To be like Jesus in the way they endure suffering with confident hope. He's working through our suffering to make us more like Jesus. And those whom he chose to have faith in Jesus, he counts them as righteous through Jesus. He will glorify them by raising them from the dead, transforming them to be perfectly like Jesus once and for all. And this glorification is so sure that Paul can talk about it in the past tense, as if it's already happened. God will absolutely 100% finish the work he starts in those who trust in Jesus. We can be sure he's always working and will always answer our prayers for good because of his plan. But also because he's shown us his love. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God, the all powerful creator of heaven and earth, the one who can hold the oceans in the palm of his hand, who sustains all things by his powerful word, he is for us. Because of Jesus, he is on our side. He loves and cares for us. We are his children. And there is no greater proof than Jesus. God gave his own son for us, even when we were his enemies. There is nothing more precious that he could possibly give. There is no greater gift. If he did this, he will give us everything we need. He will give us everything for our good. Now, you might start to wonder whether that, this is actually a reason to trust God after all. After all, if, Jesus sent, if God sent his son to suffer and die, how can I trust him to care for me? But Jesus wasn't forced. He didn't go unwillingly. They planned this together. Jesus planned to die and the Father willingly gave him up to save us. God is for us. He desires our good. We can be confident of his care. When we pray to our Heavenly Father, we pray to a God who is for us. He is working for our good. He gave up his own son for us. He won't hold back anything that is good. Our Father is good. He genuinely has our best interests at heart. And I want to say, not just in a take your medicine, it's terrible, but it's good for you kind of way. This is a good God who invented laughter and fun, who gave us food and good relationships, who's the source of everything good. He sent his son so that we might have life to the full. Rich, joyful life in relationship with him as we were designed to enjoy it. Life as it was meant to be enjoyed. He is always working for our good. For the ultimate good of giving us a rich, joyful life and changing us to more and more reflect the character and goodness of Jesus. That's the God we pray to. But wait, there's more. See, not only does the Spirit help us, not only does the Father answer for our good, the Son prays for us at God's right hand. As if to wipe away any lingering concern, Paul told Paul turns lastly to the Son, Christ Jesus, verse 34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. If the Father justifies us and answers all our prayers and works all things for our good, If the Spirit intercedes for us and helps us in our weaknesses, who is there left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus. He is the one who died, who gave up his life as a ransom for us, a sacrifice for our sins, who paid everything we owe at the cross. And not just that, but he was raised to new life. He didn't stay dead, but he rose again on the third day. In his resurrection, he is vindicated as a righteous sacrifice who has fully paid for sin. He was raised in glory as God's victorious, conquering king who's conquered sin and death. And he's been raised to eternal life, a guarantee that he can give that same eternal life to all who trust in him. And as the risen, victorious king... He was raised to heaven, seated at the right hand of God because the work is done. And what's he up to now? Is he relaxing with his feet up? Just enjoying the spoils of what he's done? Is he disinterested, not really caring what happens to you and I? Is he watching the telly? No. Paul says he's interceding for us. Praying for us, presenting before the Father his righteous work as a sacrifice for our sins. Calling on the Father to work through his Spirit to change us to be more like him. He's praying for our perseverance, our growth, our godliness, our joy. Jesus is interceding for us. Now, he's not doing that because there's any hesitation in the Father. The Father doesn't need to be persuaded to do us good. We've just seen that he even gave us his own son. No, Jesus intercedes for us because of his great love for us. It is his love that drives him to pray for us, to plead before the Father his completed work, to intercede for us always. Right at this moment, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven praying for you and I because he loves us. Just imagine if you could hear it. Imagine if any moment you could be quiet and listen closely and hear Jesus praying for you, like that person in the next room. You could hear his love for you, his desire for you to grow, his heart for you to continue and persevere. How would that change the way you pray if you could hear it? In this sermon, we're talking about prayer, which is that wonderful gift of being able to come to the Father as our Father. But prayer doesn't actually start with us. It doesn't start with what we do. Prayer actually starts with God, our Father. Our Father, who through his Spirit enables us to cry out to Him, Abba Father. Our Father whose Spirit helps us in our weakness by praying for us with groans of words can't express. Our Father, who joyfully and always is working for our good, and ultimately our glory as we're changed to be more and more like Jesus. Our Father, whose Son Jesus Christ willingly died for us, was raised again, and right now is interceding for us at God's right hand. Yes, we're so often deficient in our prayer. But that doesn't mean we are unprayed for. Because prayer starts and continues with what God has done for us. Which brings us to our prayer tip for this week. When you're struggling to pray, don't beat yourself up trying to find the perfect words. Don't tie yourself in knots trying to figure out God's will so you know how to pray. Remember God is praying with you. Remember the work of our Father who always answers for our good. The Son, Jesus, who is interceding at God's right hand for us. And the Spirit who helps us in our weaknesses and intercedes for us. Your prayers don't have to be perfect. They don't even have to be that good. Because God is the one working in us and through us for our prayers. Just honestly, openly pour out your heart to God. Maybe even groan before Him. Admit to Him you don't know how to pray. Tell Him your worries, your fears, your hurts. Ask Him for His help, but do it in the knowledge that the Spirit is interceding for you, the Son is praying for you, and the Father will always answer for your good. He's got a cover. When we pray we can rest with 100% confidence in the love of God and in His help as we pray together with Him. We can be confident in His love, as verse 38 says. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we so often don't know how to pray. And yet in our weakness, we thank you that you are helping us and that you are praying for us. This week, please help us come to you remembering that We come to you because your Spirit enables us. We come to you knowing that the Spirit and the Son are interceding for us and that you love to answer all our prayers for our good. Please give us rest in our hearts as we come to you this week remembering these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.